Right now we are journeying through what is often called the Sermon on the Mount. I like to think of it as Jesus' visionary manifesto for life in a very succinct, one-size-fits-all, <laughs> one one-sermon-fits-all, here is a vision for life. Here is a vision for the abundant life. Here is what happens when we allow God to reign as king in every single nook and cranny and aspect of our heart, mind, and spirit, and it is beautiful. It is a life of abundance, as Jesus promised. We're coming to the end of this journey, so to speak, of the Sermon on the Mount. We've just got today and probably two more Sundays. Jesus has painted a picture of life that's possible in God's strength when he reigns as king, that is breathtaking. He paints a picture that we will be victorious overcomers. We will become people that are so powerful that no matter the storms of life we face, we will become so strong, we will not crash. I mean, that, that's... If you think about real life and how many lives crash and burn, he, Jesus is real talk. <laughs> this whole Sermon on the Mount, it's real talk. It's like, hey, hey who do you want to be? You want to be the person that when life gets hard, you crash? Then do it on your own strength. You want to learn how to build your life on me, the rock? You can become so powerful, it doesn't matter what you face, you will never crash. I want to become that kind of person, right? Don't, isn't that not, like, attractive? Who wants life to crash? And so Jesus is bringing us layers upon layers of good news. And as he gets towards the end, what we're going to see today is he brings a bit of a summary challenge that says, okay, this is what it's going to take for you to build your life on the rock so that you become so powerful through God, you never crash. And he says this, Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. But the gate is narrow, and the way is hard, that leads to life, and those who find it are few. In summary, Jesus says some hard words. There are essentially two roads that you can take in life, two paths that you can take. There is an easy way that leads to destruction. There is a hard way that leads to the abundant life. This is a hard teaching. <laughs> like, if we're willing to see this for what it is, the hard road is the one Jesus wants us to take. And unfortunately, the hard road, that word, 
means hard. The literal translation is affliction, distress, being crushed, pressing, squeezing. Paul used it to describe his experience of the challenges of life that he faced. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, he says this, we have treasures in, in jars of clay. It's fragile. That's us. To show the surpassing power, to show that the surpassing power that's coming out of us, by the way, powerful people, powerful life, to show the surpassing power belongs to God. We are afflicted in every way. Man, I don't like that phrase. <laughs> Let's be honest. I mean, that's the same word, by the way. Thalibo. Get a little nice little Greek lisp going. Thalibo. Hard. Affliction. The road that Jesus said is the necessary one to the abundant life. Paul says, yeah, that's right. I get it. I feel the affliction coming from every direction. This is a sobering call. <laughs> Jesus is not saying this to be morbid in any way. Jesus is speaking honest and soberly about a critical truth that, check yourself here, our culture doesn't want you to believe. Life is going to be hard. As a Christian, we must be sober about this fact. Jesus teaches it like this, that we do live in a fallen and broken world where there is evil at work. What does Jesus say? To steal, kill, and destroy. You were born into a battlefield in the spiritual realm, and it has massive effects on the natural, the physical, the mental Now, thankfully, thanks be to Jesus, thanks be to God, this is not the end of the story, and evil is not the only force at work in the world. God is clearly at work. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. That's the good news of God's gracious work in the world. Redemption is real. The abundant life is possible. But here's where I feel the challenge. Before we get to the fullness of the good news, I'll be honest, I like to skip to that. But to fully appreciate the good news and respond properly, I believe there's a healthy sobriety that Jesus is teaching here in this lesson, this saying about the two roads. We must be sober about the reality that life is hard. And every single on the planet, person on the planet goes through challenges, trials, afflictions, things that press them, pressures, things that squeeze us. 
I mean, the, to, to escape suffering is, is literally impossible in this life. Everyone is touched by the brokenness and fallenness in our world. Peter said it like this. This is one of Jesus' closest followers. 1 Peter 4.12. Beloved, do not be surprised. That's interesting. Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you that tests you or to test you as though something strange were happening to you. That, that verse in particular stands out to make this point about being sober because I think a lot of us buy into a cultural lie about how easy life is supposed to be and then when life isn't and it's hard and there's trials and we get afflicted and pressed and squeezed, we're shocked. We're surprised. This is strange. If we expect, as our culture tries to teach us, that we deserve a life that's easy, if that becomes our expectation, then when life is hard, what happens real quick is discouragement, despair, disappointment. Many, many people get thrust into a pit of despair when life get, gets hard because it shatters this expectation that our culture tries to sell us every day which says you're entitled to an easy life. You deserve to be happy all the time. You are made to be comfortable. You can wish upon a star and have all your dreams come true. I mean, just, just think about the messaging that comes our way in every advertisement. It's about deserving, being entitled to, expecting ease, comfort, pleasure, happiness. And anything outside of that is, is somehow oppressing you. You deserve better. So run away from anything hard and go the easy road. Wait a second, what did Jesus say? The exact opposite. Run away from the easy road. It's the highway to hell. Choose the hard road. It's the path to life. And so we got to be really aware of and careful of those messages that are floating around in our head, whether we want them to be there or not. If you live in this culture and in any way turn on any electronic device that sends you a message that sells you something, that tries to involve you in the consumer culture, you're going to get a message that's the opposite of what Jesus teaches here. It's going to encourage you along the lines of comfort, ease, pleasure. Some of those things now, let's be, let's, this is where it gets interesting. Some of those messages about 
desiring to be satisfied, having dreams come true, in and of themselves, those are very biblical concepts that I could make an easy case for, and we have many times, but they get twisted, perverted into a short-term, instant gratification. You don't have to sacrifice anything. You deserve it all the time. It's your right. It's your entitlement. It should just be served up to you on a platter. Instant gratification, happiness, pleasure, comfort, all the time. That's what we're being sold. That is the easy road that Jesus warns us of. And it's, it's even hard to kind of recognize how deep this goes. We, <laughs> I think personally, we live in the probably most entitled moment in human history simply because of the standard of living that has increased to the highest it's ever been in human history and the ease with which we can now get access to that high standard, the touch of a button. We can have stuff, anything we want to buy can be in our doorstep tomorrow or the next day, and if not, we're offended because it took too long because I need it now, right? Like, you can feel it. This is, and I'm not even saying it's, a, it's not bad to use Amazon. I use it like three times this week. But if it gets in as our way of life with God, we're in trouble. It's a soul-crushing lie from the devil. If, if we believe that we're entitled to happiness, comfort, ease, on demand all the time. To expect that and feel entitled to it is a rep recipe for despair and depression. Especially because if we're expecting those things and then the sober reality of life being hard hits, it's so disconcerting. It's like, wait, I'm made for comfort, ease, pleasure, happiness, on demand all the time, and now my kid is sick and, and in the hospital, and what? There's only one option at that point, but despair, discouragement. This is not, this is unfair. So Jesus is not in any way trying to be morbid. He is being realistic, sober, truthful about the reality. We live in a broken and fallen world. There is an enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and unfortunately has power, especially when Every single person on the planet, you and me included, in some measure and at some time, have mindsets, actions, and agreements that partner with the enemy to allow that death, destruction, and loss to proliferate. <laughs> That's the sobering biblical picture. If you're mad at me, be mad at the Bible. <laughs> it's, it, I mean, is, is it not? We live in a broken and following world that needs resurrection. And that's where the good news comes in. 
And this is, this teaching of Jesus is so fascinating because in some measure, I feel like he's saying this. Life is going to be really hard because it's broken and fallen and there is sin and resurrection is here and it's coming, but it's not here in ultimate measure. And so in a way, you get to choose in what way life is going to be hard. You can choose to try to grab onto short-term ease, instant gratification, permanent, you know, like are always comfortable. You can choose that. And Jesus says, that leads to long-term destruction. And that's really hard. (laughs) Or you can choose short-term hard, long-term, eternal, abundant life. You can't get away from hard in this life. But you can choose which road you walk down. Jesus said it in another way, like this, Matthew 16. Jesus told his disciples, verses 24 to 26, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Deny himself. That's the hard road, to deny yourself. What's the, what that, you know, that kind of emotional, emotional impulse of, oh, I want this now. I feel like this. I don't feel like this. Jesus says, get used to denying that. That's also the easy road, is it not? The easy road is when you don't deny yourself. So whatever comes easy, whatever impulses feel good in the moment. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself that easy road. Take up your cross. That's the hard road. Take up your cross. That's the instrument of death that Jesus knows is coming for him, and he's saying we have to be willing to take that up too, to die to ourself and follow him. For whoever would save his life, you try to save it, try to save it, you're going to lose it. You try to save it by the easy road. Oh, I need this. I want this. I feel this. Uh, uh, Jesus, uh, you're going to lose it in the end. But whoever loses his life, die to self. Lay down your life. Follow Christ. For my sake, you'll find it. You'll find life. There's the resurrection power. And that's the ultimate good news. Jesus wants you to experience the abundant life. He wants you to experience the resurrected life right now. That's what the whole Sermon on the Mount is about. It's about the resurrection life of Christ in you right now in this life. I mean, if you've been with us throughout this, or if you haven't, you need to know the Sermon on the Mount is vastly skewed towards this life right now. It's about the kingdom of God breaking into our life right now. It's about the good news of the kind of the abundant life when the kingdom of God, the king reigns in every aspect of our life right now. So we're transformed to live in an abundant life and become powerful people that cannot be broken by the storms of life. 
And all of that then wells up into eternal life with Jesus. But it's clearly starts now. And that's what Jesus is saying. What will it profit a person if they gain the whole world? Man, that's the, that's the invitation from every advertisement. I'll gain the whole world. You just got to click on this, buy that. You gain the whole, everything's yours. On demand at your fingertips. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul? I know this is a hard one, but I wrote it for myself, so <laughs> I've already walked through all the hard aspects. <laughs> so now I'm just in a good mood because I've been at the end. But it's, it's sobering. Jesus says you can choose to have that easy, short-term, choose comfort, pleasure, instant gratification, but walk down a road that ends in destruction. That's the great crash that Jesus speaks of. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, everything in implodes and explodes if you've built your life really as a house of cards. We need something much stronger than that to withstand the storms of life. And that comes by dying to self. Letting the resurrection power of Christ bring us back alive, renew our minds, renew our spirit, renew our character, transform us to be more like Christ. Jesus says, so then in this life, you can be so, become so much like Christ that there is no storm that can take you out. That's good news. <laughs> Reviewing back through just a few pieces of the Sermon on the Mount. This road, the hard road and the easy road, I think is always present in the Sermon on the Mount. In all of these invitations, these little passages, specific, you might call them ethical situations that we've looked at, where we've focused on the good news that we can be overcomers we can overcome all sorts of the problems, challenges, trials, character shortcomings that exist in all of us. Jesus truly, truly paints a picture where we can become overcomers. And that's the great news that's in the Sermon on the Mount. But if you look for it with the eyes to see on this kind of easy road, hard road, Every single time to get to that place of being that overcomer that lives in resurrection power right now, you got to take the hard road. Like just a couple examples. Matthew 5.20. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, we've looked at that as great news that that's exactly the kind of life that's possible when Jesus reigns as king. He really means you can do this in his power. Your character can and will be transformed to have a righteousness that exceeds even the Pharisees. That's great news. But you're going to have to die to get there. And that's hard. Because I feel the tendency to be a Pharisee. So I'm going to have to do some dying if I want to live. Right. 
Or what about this one? Nice and easy. If you're offering your gift at the altar and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, stop worshiping. Leave it at the altar. First go be reconciled, then come back and worship. That's easy. That is hard. Come on. <laughs> That's, that is hard. That never gets easy. But do you know what's even harder? Letting that easy road remain until it produces the destruction of broken, bitter, disconnected relationships. That's even harder. So Jesus is like, pick your hard. Sorry, it's life. <laughs> One of them ends well. What about this one? I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery in his heart, so if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out. That's hard. But Jesus is saying, but you know what's even harder? Trying to do it on your own strength and ending up committing adultery in your heart. That's even harder on you and everyone you love. What about Matthew 5, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. <sighs> that is hard. No, it's actually impossible. <laughs> it's impossible. All of these are impossible. And that's kind of in some measure the point. They're impossible if you miss the first line of the Sermon on the Mount, which is the call to come to repentance. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. That's the same exact thing as dying to yourself. It's the same exact thing as picking up your cross. The same exact thing as denying yourself. To be poor in spirit is the beggar's cry that says, I have nothing to make any of this happen. I need mercy every moment of my day. I need forgiveness. I need to be connected to your strength. I am literally poor. Poverty. There is a poverty of strength in me to do any of these hard things. And Jesus says, if you can come like that, welcome to the kingdom of God. All of heaven is yours. From the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, his first words are an invitation to repentance. They're an altar call of sorts. And so let's be clear and careful. Everything that follows in the Sermon on the Mount hinges on, <laughs> have you responded to the altar call at the beginning? Because if you're not living poor in spirit, none of this works. It's the same exact thing as if you're not picking up your cross daily, none of this works. If you're not denying yourself, none of this works. If you're trying to do it on your own strength, None of this works. When you die to yourself, become like a little child, declare your dependence and bankruptcy, Jesus smiles and says, awesome, you're forgiven. All of the power of heaven is yours to be an overcomer in every battle you face. Peter picked this up, living his victorious life 
in, the, in one of his letters, he wrote, we have, ev- thanks be to God, we have everything we need for a life of godliness. <gasps> Through Christ, we have everything we need for a life of godliness, becoming more and more like God in our character. That's Peter's personal testimony that the Sermon on the Mount was right 30 years later. You know, that arrogant fool (laughs) said, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You think that's not personal testimony? Let me help you. It is. (laughs) We have everything we need when we realize we have nothing we need. And that's what Jesus is encouraging us to go after in the hard road. Take the hard road. It's like, and I think this was the fire in my belly, we need to come against, shift our mindset, come against the cultural lie that says the easy road is good. And that is like the, the gut level reflex in us. I know I feel it because it's what I'm being told every single day. We need to develop a holy gut level re- reflex that is very wary about quick and easy and rather says, you know what? No, hard is the way to life. Hard is good. Hard brings me, walks me down the path of more of the kingdom. Poor in spirit is more of the kingdom. Dying to myself is more of the kingdom. And to maybe put it in a different, a little bit more poignant fashion, if it doesn't require poor in spirit, don't trust it. If it doesn't require dying to self, It's not the kingdom. Easy and fleeting, which is what our culture shoves every day. Jesus says, just be careful. That's be sober, be wise. That's the path to destruction. Don't get too comfortable with comfortable. Get uncomfortable so that you need the comforter. In a, in a super practical way, as I was reflecting in my own life, like, so what, the mindset is huge. The shift from quick, easy, on-demand, instant gratification, comfortable, just quick pleasure versus the hard road that leads to life. So it's like, what, what's the super practical way that the rubber hits the road? And I'll just be honest with, for me, how, I, how it resonates to help be aware, be sober, and fight the good fight to not take the easy road, but to take the hard road. And here it is. I think this is one of the most dangerous mindsets that we could possibly have. I don't feel like it. Therefore, I won't. 
I don't feel like it today, therefore I won't. Is that the easy road or is that the hard road? I mean, I don't feel like it. We are taught in this culture, part of that instant gratification, ease, comfort, on demand is training us to follow whimsical emotions. Whatever you feel like is the most important reality. Follow that. And therefore, however I feel, reigns as king. I, I feel that, right? I feel like this emotion happens so frequently where it's like, well, I don't, I feel like this, therefore I'm entitled to it. Or I don't feel like it today, therefore I don't have to do it because what matters most is how I feel. And, and to me, that is a practical application of a deadly lie of the enemy because our emotions are very whimsical based on all sorts of different things that cannot be trusted. <laughs> so a higher, I believe, Jesus-minded perspective says, you know what? I'm actually going to watch out for that impulse in me that says, this is how I feel, or I don't feel like it, and check it. Is this kingdom? What don't I feel like? Is this, because remember, if it's not poor in spirit, it's not the kingdom. If it's not dying to self, it's not the kingdom. If it's not taking up the cross, it's not kingdom. And so that, well, I don't feel like it, is very often in me, maybe not you, in me, okay, and in you, not the kingdom. It's the flesh. The Bible says we put to death. We've got to put to death the flesh. It already died, and this is one of those amazing things. In Christ, this is Paul in many passages, the flesh is already dead. So put it to death. It's already dead in Christ. The power of the flesh has been broken. It doesn't have to sin, does not have to be your master, but daily you need to choose to put it to death. Don't resurrect that zombie so it has power in your life. So we need to put to death those mindsets that just say, well, I don't feel, and say, no, what is the kingdom? What's the higher calling? It may require me, in fact, no, it, it will require me some measure of sacrifice. I gotta die to myself right now. I've gotta remember that I'm poor in spirit and I can't do it on my own. And if I'm trying in any way to do this on my own strength, you know what? I'm tired. I don't feel like X, Y, Z. That is a healthy reminder that you're supposed to be poor in spirit. There's an opportunity right there where you feel like you're at the end of your own strength is exactly where grace begins. Peter says, God opposes the proud. Oh, I can do this. I got it. I'm good enough. I'm strong enough. I'm equipped enough. I'm smart enough. I'm talented enough. I can do this. Versus... <laughs> 
I am bankrupt on my own strength. I have nothing. And Jesus says, good job. Now you have all of heaven. And so what does that look like in practical terms? (laughs) I don't feel like getting up right now. (laughs) Should I? I don't feel like going to work today. I don't feel like honoring my boss. I don't feel like putting in a good effort. I don't feel like going to church. Students, I don't feel like going, doing homework. I don't feel like making time for prayer. I don't feel like making time to get in God's word. I don't feel like cooking my kids dinner. I don't feel like serving my family. I don't feel like being nice right now. Whatever, I mean, right? This is, this is I don't feel like serving, whatever it may be. we allow those impulsive feelings to guide our day, we're most likely giving in to the temptations of the easy path. So our hope for an abundant life is not found in the status quo of ease and comfort, but in some kind of that hard road, dying to self, denying self, poor in spirit in order to live with resurrection power flowing through our veins. That is the hard road that leads to the abundant life. You have a word, babe? All right, let's hear you. Share a word from Donnie here to close our time. Yeah, it's actually just a testimony about this very thing. And, you know, the world that we live in, like he said, it's just constant. It's luring us into constant distraction, usually on a screen. All the pings, all the dings on the phone. Come watch this. Come be entertained. Isn't that it? Come be entertained. Come be pleased. Come drink from an empty cistern that never truly satisfies and that actually leaves you emptier than before. So you go running even famished trying to fill up on something that never truly nourishes, that never fills your belly. And I'm reminded of Isaiah 55. I'm going to open there real quick. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money? Other translations say, why do you labor? Why do you labor for that which, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight delight yourselves in rich food. And I felt like a, a word of the Lord was count the cost. What is this instant gratification actually costing us long term? What is it costing us? It's costing us not living in resurrection power and it's costing us living in the death that happens when we are not in fellowship with God and we 
are operating in the flesh. And when we're operating in the flesh, we're also partnering with what the enemy wants to do in our life because we're not saying yes to God. We're not stepping onto his path. And I want to give a little testimony just to bring it down to our everyday life. So we had been, you know, going through multiple different battles, um, which I won't get into. But you know when you feel beaten down, you feel weary, and you're just kind of exhausted. And I'm not saying that sometimes it's not okay just to sit down and watch a family movie. But when your soul needs God and we escape to a place like that, when we come out, our soul is just as bad as it was before, possibly worse. And I was feeling that. It was like this, that, that it was like I sat down and, and, and what does the world say to me? Oh, just distract yourself, get comfortable, just watch a show. And I could feel that pull. And inside of my heart, it was like, you know, my, my, I didn't feel like playing worship music and coming before the Lord with all of that and laying, be, laying it before his feet and doing a, an exchange where I am giving him my flesh, I'm giving him my hurts, I'm giving him my wounds, and I'm saying, I worship you, God, that you are going to be victorious in this and I'm not going to settle for anything less than resurrection life. The world wants to call us to death by distraction instead of constant communion and fellowship with the king that brings life. Dance like David.